These transmissions indicate some intelligent life. Let us move in for a closer look. Greetings. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Coffee with Jeff, the podcast in which I find a subject I would like to know more about and then write it into a hopefully entertaining story. This is episode 218, and on this episode, I'm talking about the amazing Texas Guinan, a woman born in 1884 that was a stage and film star but really became known as a highly popular nightclub hostess during the Prohibition era. Oh, and one more thing about Texas? You can't believe a thing she says about herself. What's the truth about her life? Well, maybe I got some of it right. called herself Texas Guinan was a very lively, friendly person who was known as the queen of the nightclubs in the 1920s. She would openly greet the customers by saying, Hello, suckers, come on in and leave your wallet at the bar. And the customers loved it. They listened to her as she told wild stories of growing up in Texas. My real name is Mary Louise Cecilia Guinan, but I've nearly forgotten that they christened me that. I was born on a ranch near Waco, Texas, a sucker's town, so many years ago that it's nobody's business. If you're nosy enough, you can check up on me, though. But you'll admit, particularly you women, that I'd be a sucker to tell. Texas Guinan published her autobiography in serial form in newspapers across the country in 1929. It was in 22 parts. It was a very entertaining story, but for the most part, it was a work of total fiction. You see, Mary Louise Cecilia Guinan knew the importance of creating a legend. It's a fun read of her growing up in Waco, Texas, on a ranch with cowboys and cattle, Wild West shows, rattlesnakes, school pranks, rodeos, and all the excitement one imagines when growing up on a ranch in the Old West. Like other Texas kids, I learned to ride and shoot. Before I was out of my teens, Buffalo Bill Cody, who was visiting my father, remarked one day, Guinan, I'll bet that girl Texas was born in the saddle and cut her teeth on a six-gun. It was a glorious feeling to lope or gallop my pinto across miles of plains with the hot wind blowing my long yellow curls out in a straight line behind me. And it never occurred to me to be proud of my freedom at such a tender age. It simply seemed natural to ride. It was the life of the Texas Plain. The first ten parts are all devoted to her life on the ranch. Young Texas was the best at everything. She was a troublemaker who could ride a rope as good as or even better than everyone, even the cowhands. She tells of getting discovered doing horse and rope tricks while at Hank Miller's Wild West Circus when she was 16. She toured with them throughout the summer, but as it turned out, Hank Miller's Wild West Circus wasn't even around at the time. 
She also claims to have had the nickname Texas ever since she was a young child. But most historians believe that she took that name years later when she was a stage actress. But there is no doubt that Mary was a good horse rider, as can be seen in the film she starred in. According to Susan Casta, the grandniece of Texas, she probably learned her riding skills when her parents needed a break and would send her to her aunt's ranch for stretches of time. She was born on January 12, 1884, as Mary Louise Cecilia Guinan in Waco, Texas. Her parents were Michael and Bessie, both of Irish ancestry. They met married in Colorado, where they operated a wholesale grocery business. Eventually, they moved to Texas, where they might have run a horse and cattle ranch, but most likely they didn't. A boy named Willie was the couple's first child, followed by Mary, and then there would be two more, Tommy and Pearl. While Mary always claims to have grown up on a large ranch, she actually lived in a home in a town of about 12,000. It is probably more likely that she spent her time climbing trees with her brothers rather than riding around on horse on a fantasy ranch. I concluded that Tex didn't exactly rewrite the past, just reimagined it, shuffled the pieces a little. Biographer Louise Bolliner wrote in her book, Texas Guinan, Queen of the Nightclubs. If you want to hear her wild tales of life on the ranch and all the trouble she caused, I'll publish the story she wrote on my Coffee with Jeff website soon. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to start this tale when she was first married. It is known that by 1905, she was married to John J. Moylahan, a cartoonist at the Chicago Examiner newspaper, and they lived in Chicago. In her biography, she says she married John just to get out of Texas, and John knew it too. She claims to have gone to the American Conservatory of Music with a Marshall Field scholarship, but there are no records of her attending that school. But it does seem by the time she left Chicago, she had some sort of training in singing. She headed for New York after separating from her husband and began working as a showgirl. She began as a choir girl and worked her way up. It was probably around this time she took the name Texas. By 1907, she was headlining a show called Simply Simon Simply. Now, according to an article I found in the Green Bay Press-Gazette in October of that year, it stated that she accidentally shot herself in the side during the performance in a local theater Thursday night. How the revolver came to be loaded is a mystery. Miss Guinan finished the song she was singing before being carried off stage. She will probably recover if blood poisoning doesn't set in. Strangely, in her autobiography, she doesn't mention the shooting, and I never found an explanation. But I do know she spent some time in the hospital before returning to the stage. Texas had quite a run, starring in some big productions as a headliner that toured the states. She was in shows such as The Gibson Girl Review, The Gay Musician, The Hoyden, The Lone Star, and the very successful The Kissing Girl, in which she toured as the star for a couple of years. The Los Angeles Times wrote, Miss Texas Guinan, who played Lena the Mountain Kissing Girl, is as buxom a beauty as we have seen in many a day. She is bubblingly full of high voltage, which we sometimes call the joy of life. And for that and her flashing beauty, we can forgive her somewhat explosive speech and her variegated singing. The Hartford Sentinel had this to say, Lena, the kissing girl, in a role assumed by Miss Texas Guinan, is something of a revelation. She is as pretty as the sun-kissed side of a peach. 
Her face is bouquet in smiles and dimples, and her new fresh voice is notes extracted from a harp. Newfound success brought fame and money to the young woman, but also some unscrupulous people. One she got involved with was a man named Walter C. Cunningham from Chicago. According to Texas, she had gone to London and gained a lot of weight while there, eating British beef and drinking ale. A producer named Sam Schubert wanted her for a play called The Passing Show, but she was too heavy. She had to quickly lose 70 pounds. She claims to have accomplished this by mixing a quart and a half of alcohol with 10 cents worth of iodine and 10 cents worth of aluminum. By rubbing it all over her body, in two months, the 70 pounds just melted away. Cunningham heard of this remarkable treatment and offered Texas a 50-50 deal to sell the secret by mail order. However, some believe that this was all Cunningham's deal and he just paid Texas to use her name. In the newspaper ads, it read, Famous actress loses 70 pounds of fat. Texas Guinan, star of The Passing Show, offers her own treatment for fat folks. Eat all you want and grow thin. Reduce rapidly as much as desired. The world's youngest and most beautiful star shows all womankind the way to slim grace and beauty. The American Medical Association said it was a useless product that sold for $3 but cost 30 cents to make. The Chicago Tribune ran a story, Actress Quack Plays Fat Lady to Get Money. And the article went on to describe just how the scam worked. It was an ad that said you could write Texas and get her free weight loss system. But after she wrote back and you exchanged letters a couple of times, you would end up paying a lot of money for a worthless treatment. Soon she was facing charges for fraud. Every time I ran down the aisle of a theater and kissed a bald-headed man, he would stick a summons down the back of my gown. She ended up going to court, giving evidence against her partner, and the feds went easy on her. The scandal hurt her career, and it took most of the money she had made while on the stage. It was about this time that she changed careers. Now, according to Texas... The reason for the change was that she was in a play called The World of Pleasure at the Winter Garden. In that show, she got to ride a horse and do some of her own stunts, and she began to think how she missed the West. And then... Bill Hart, the idol of Wild West movies, had just left Triangle Films. H.O. David and Harry Aitken of Triangle dropped into my show one night, and as soon as they saw me riding a horse and singing Ragtime Cowboy Joe, they decided I was just the gal to take the place of the two-gun man. We'll be back in just a minute with part two of the Texas Guinan story. As we take a break from our story, here's a little audio of Texas Guinan and her girls after the return from Paris after being arrested and deported. in my life and I am the biggest sucker in the world. I went 3,000 miles to go to jail 
when I could have gone to any one of the best jails in New York City. Well, kids, are you all glad to be back home? <laughs> and how did you like Paris? <laughs> and what do you think of the French line? <laughs> In part one of our story, Texas Guinan achieved fame on the stage before a scandal hurt her career. Now in part two, she has decided to go into the world of filmmaking. But before her first film, she claims to have entertained the troops in France during World War I and was decorated with a bronze medal by France Field Marshal Joseph Joffrey. This apparently was just another one of her tall tales. Texas moved to Hollywood and began to star in a bunch of two-reel silent westerns. No one is quite sure how many, since most are lost to time. They had titles like The Fuel of Life, The Gun Woman, The Love Brokers, The Gun Girl, The She-Wolf, The Heart of Texas, The Claws of Texas, and many, many more. The IMDB lists 46 between 1917 and 1921 although it's really hard to tell since many she made were recut and re-edited by these little studios as time went by. In most of these films, she was able to show off her horse and shooting skills. She may have exaggerated her life growing up in Texas, but no one can argue that she did learn how to handle a horse. By 1921, she had formed her own production company, but by the end of that year, she had grown tired of films, as most had her doing the same thing over and over again. She moved back to New York and began her third career. She returned to New York right after the 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution went into effect, which made the sale or transport of alcoholic beverages illegal. But as we know, prohibition didn't stop people from consuming alcohol. In many big cities, people found their beverage of choice in what was called a speakeasy. And it was in these underground clubs, in which one needed a password to enter, that Texas Guinan would help create a new kind of establishment, the nightclub. Texas and her friends began going to a place called Gypsyland, a Hungarian restaurant where her friend Joe Fire played the violin. Soon the club was the place to be, and Texas began singing along with the band. Word spread and more and more people started coming to Gypsyland to see the act. When asked what she did for people, Texas responded, Get them to forget themselves. Isn't that what they always want? Isn't that why all these people come here instead of going home to get away from themselves? Texas and Joe became so popular that they were hired by another club, the Bose Arts Club. Texas was paid $50,000, and she excelled as a hostess, making patrons feel comfortable and relaxed when they came into the club. She would greet each guest by name or learn their names and engage in charming conversation with each. She would entertain or encourage other famous people who showed up to do the same. Now, one of the first rum runners of the Prohibition era was a man named Larry Fay. It is said that he made a half million dollars bringing whiskey into New York. He used these profits to buy a taxi cab company and then decided to open a nightclub. He turned to Texas Guinan to be the MC, and the two formed a partnership. 
They opened the El Fay on West 47th Street in Manhattan in 1924. The El Fay became the club everyone wanted to go to, and they paid an expensive price just to do so. It cost $6 or more just to get in the door, and remember, those were $1920. Everything was expensive in the clubs, and the guests were all considered suckers. Oh, not in private. Texas would say that to them right to their face. Her catchphrase became, Hello, sucker. Come on in and leave your wallet on the bar. And she would also encourage the crowd after one of her ladies finished a song by saying, Give that little girl a great big hand. In the Daily News on October 12, 1929, she was asked, You use the word sucker in your business a good deal. And she responded, Yes, as a gag, just as you'd say, Hello, pal. But there are plenty of suckers. I am one of the biggest in the world. She also invented the phrase Big Butter and Egg Man to describe a man who gave away $50 bills to the girls who worked there. Soon others were trying to outdo the man so they could get the title Big Butter and Egg Man. Ruby Keeler, Barbara Stanwyck, and George Raff were all discovered by talent scouts while working as dancers at the club. At 39 years old, Texas Guinan became known as the Queen of the Nightclubs. In a newspaper article in a syndicated column by Herbert Corey named Manhattan Days and Nights, he described her. Texas is loud, noisy, and genuine. She bats elderly gentlemen over the head with little balloons tied to sticks, thrust powder puffs in their faces, coaxes their ladies into laughter, knows everyone worth knowing by his or her first name, never forgets, cannot be deceived or bluffed, and is as much a part of New York as Times Square. If you look through newspapers at the time, Texas was constantly mentioned, not just in New York, but all over the United States. Over time, she worked for different speakeasies, and police raids became a constant problem. She learned how to deal with it. It became a game of cat and mouse. When the feds closed down one place, another would soon open. And she continued her work on the stage. But then, in 1928... She was part of one of the biggest police raids in New York history. Clubs all over town on the same night were busted. She was the hostess of the 300 Club when around 3.30 a.m. in the morning, the club was raided by the feds. Texas Guinan was arrested for being a public nuisance. Yes, that was a thing. And she faced a possible large fine and two to five year jail sentence. When Texas found out she was being indicted with 107 others a few weeks later, she said, Thank God they didn't forget me. I'd feel humiliated and ashamed before my public if they left me off a list like that. But the idea of saying I'm a nuisance? That's not right. The only person in this world who can rightly say I've been a nuisance to them are my husbands. Her arrest was a media sensation. During the time between her arrest and her trial, a report came out about prostitution at her club. She became furious over the idea and said, I never stand for any freshness in my place. I've stopped the music and put out some of the best customers when they forget themselves. This report called hostesses prostitutes. This is an outrage. In the country I come from, they would have to eat those words. 
The thing about Texas Guinan, she was smart enough to stay away from the bootlegging part of the business. In fact, I have read that although there was alcohol consumed at her clubs, it wasn't sold there. At her trial, she was asked, Have you ever sold liquor in the Saloon Royale? I have never sold liquor in my entire life. Did you ever take a drink? I have never had drink in my entire life. Did you ever know that liquor was sold there? I did not. Did you ever see any liquor there? Well, I saw what looked like liquor. People brought in suitcases of liquor and served it themselves. And that's probably true. As far as I can tell, Texas never consumed alcohol. On April 29, 1929, Texas Guinan was found not guilty. The Texas News reported that when the verdict of not guilty was read, There were cheers and stamping. The bailiffs yelled themselves hoarse and the judge pounded with all his might trying to restore order. Texas jumped to her feet, shouted in a frenzy of excitement, and kissed the nearest man she saw. Stop! That's my husband! yelled an irate female voice. It is said that she ran over and began hugging and kissing a surprised jury as they were putting on their coats. In the late 1920s, while all the legal stuff was happening, Texas made a few more films. Sound ones like Queen of the Nightclubs and Broadway Through a Keyhole. In both films, I believe she played a fictional version of herself. She attempted to move to England with her chorus girls during the Great Depression, but she was on the barred aliens list. They performed in Paris for a while before being deported. Now at some point, she became fascinated with evangelist Amy Sample McPherson Hutton, one of the few women in the ministry. Texas and McPherson developed a friendship or at least a mutual admiration for each other. Texas offered to debate her on religion and a woman's role in the world, but it never happened. She began to do benefits for the poor and told the press she had a desire to preach. She finally found a pastor in Tacoma that would allow her to do so. As she delivered her sermon, she broke down in tears. Those that were there were convinced of her sincerity. In an article in the Oklahoma News on October 17, 1933, it said, Texas Guinan fails to finish sermon, leaves pulpit weeping after reading a note from pastor. Texas Guinan, queen of the New York nightclubs, undertook to preach a sermon in a church here and broke down, leaving the pulpit with her eyes filled with tears. Tex had spoken for about five minutes when she glanced at a Bible left by Reverend Henry Victor Morgan, pastor. Inside, the note read, Remember, everything you say here today, your mother will be listening to. Now, shortly before her sermon, she had been feeling abdominal pains and began seeing doctors. On Monday, October 30th, 1933, she collapsed backstage after a performance at the Beacon Theater in Canada and was taken to a Vancouver hospital. For a while, doctors thought she would recover. During this time, the 34 members of her theater troupe began visiting her when they could. But on Sunday, November 5th, she took a turn for the worse and was quickly operated on. She was in critical condition, but her physician said there was a flickering ray of hope if she could survive the night. In a moment of consciousness, it is said that Texas heard reports that she had already died and responded, No, I am not dead. Why, I'm on my way to recovery just like the Blue Eagle. 
and then she drifted off never to wake again. Texas Guinan died in her sleep of ulcerative colitis with many of her troop by her side. Her brother Thomas, who she had looked after ever since he was a baby, had tried to get there but it was too late. Her body was taken back to New York for a funeral and burial. Her death was exactly one month before the appeal of prohibition. She was survived by both her parents and her siblings. Over 7,500 people attended her funeral. She was only 49 years old. A little bit before I go. First of all, I want to thank Nancy Fry for playing the part of Texas Guinan. Nancy is always there for me when I need help with voice work, and Nancy, thank you so much. Now, as for Texas Guinan, I get it that she created her own legend, but that's okay. I got the feeling the more I read that she was really a good, fun person. And even though she took money from people who she jokingly called suckers, she was also known to donate a lot to charities and was always willing to help out a friend in need. She also claimed that she attended church every Sunday, even if she had been out late Saturday night. A young Ed Sullivan, who would later become a famous variety show star, but who was still a newspaper columnist at the time, wrote, Texas Guinan is dead. The writing of a Broadway gossip column suddenly seems inane. Broadway today will only talk of one thing, her death. For along the stem, she was a byword, also a legend. To the outside world, the Hinderlands, she was a noisy, Amy McPhersonist sort of person. But to Broadway, she was a generous, lovable friend. To the Hinderlands, her career will be expressed in two phrases. Hello, suckers, and give a little girl a big hand. But to Broadway, her career was expressed in countless acts of loyalty and charity. And one last thing. Whoopi Goldberg's character on Star Trek The Next Generation was based and named after Texas Guinan. Anyway, how about the ending credits? You've been listening to Coffee with Jeff, a Zeus Brothers Entertainment podcast. I thank you for listening. You know, this show takes money to produce and make available. If you've got a few shekels you can afford to donate to keep the show going, I would be forever grateful. You can do this by contributing to my Patreon page. Just go to coffeewithjeff.com for more information. There's a little link button on the top left-hand side. Or you can tell your friends about the show. That would be great. You can email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com for any reason. You can also follow me on Twitter. My Twitter name is coffeewithjeff, all one word. And I have a Coffee with Jeff Facebook page. You're encouraged to suggest stories on any of these platforms. I always need stories. And links to the sources that I used to write today's episode are available at Transistor.fm's Coffee with Jeff page for this episode. I want to thank Nancy Fry for her help. To my wife of 36 years for being my wife of 36 years. David Metzger for designing the Coffee with Jeff logo, Kelly Rickard for writing and performing the Coffee with Jeff theme, 
And to all of you who listen to the show every week, thank you so much. And of course, a special shout out to all those that repost this on social media. You have a special place in my heart. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back in two weeks with something thrilling and exciting. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. I once knew a man who used to drink his coffee black. He once tried it with some cream Didn't like it, now he never looks back Coffee with Jeff Coffee, coffee with Jeff Coffee with Jeff Coffee, coffee with Jeff Met a girl from Beantown Jeff was always hanging around she drank tea, but that was okay. She was the dawn of Jeff's new day. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Years go by and life's filled with change. Sometimes your plans get rearranged. He's seen it all and he's weathered it too So Jeff wants to have some coffee with you Coffee with Jeff Coffee on coffee with Jeff Coffee with Jeff Coffee coffee with Jeff Thank you.